Um, So our reading this morning is Romans 5, verses 1 to 11. Peace with God through faith. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Well, we come to our sermon this morning, and um, I'm just going to move this out of my way so I don't walk into it. There we go. I have a terrible habit of moving around a little bit while I'm preaching because I'm trying to look at people, and I've got people literally the full 180 here, which is fun. (laughs) You know, this morning, Easter Sunday... Easter Sunday. It is so wonderful to be in church with you. And the title of my message this morning is But God. And it comes right from this passage. And uh, if you're reading your passage with me, we're reading in the ESV this morning, but we all know the best Bible translation is the one you read most often. I think that's probably worthy of an amen, but we're not feeling terribly Pentecostal yet. We're going to slowly warm these people up, perhaps. But uh, as we read this passage, verse 8 says, But God, but God. Luckily, we're all very mature and nobody sniggered when I said, but God. And that's encouraging. But uh, I think actually, let's try and think what the but is there for. What the but is there for. You see, it says, but God, because it's just talked about our human condition. And then it says, this is what God does. God's making a difference in our lives. And so I just want to spend a few minutes this morning. I'm going to keep it really simple this Easter Sunday. And let's just think about what it is that God does. What it is that God does in our hearts, our lives I think Romans is an amazing book of the Bible. It's full of just explaining what it is that God does. But this morning, as we think about what God does on Easter, it says a bunch of different things. And first of all, it says, we have been justified by faith. We have been justified by faith. 
I don't know if we're all familiar with what that's talking about. And so let me just take a moment and explain. You see, you can only be justified if you've done something wrong, right? And for those of us who profess Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, that second word there, Saviour, is really important. Lord, of course, is really important too. That's the role he takes in our lives after he's saved us. He becomes the one that we look to, our moral authority, the guide to our lives, the instruction in our lives, the person that is in charge of directing us and how we live. But justified, justified by faith. It goes on to say that being justified by faith means that we have peace with God. So that's the outworking of that justification. But there has to be some reason for us to need to be justified, right? I don't know if any of you are children ever. I assume that there's a possibility that you were. (laughs) One or two perhaps have grown up a little less than others, but we'll not go there this morning. (laughs) And you see, as children, I think it's very easy to understand what being justified and forgiven looks like. Because you do something wrong, you're told that you've been forgiven, it's explained to you where you went wrong and what you need to do differently to live right. And childhood is full of that, isn't it? Childhood is full of learning how to live. You get taught to make your bed, to brush your teeth, to comb your hair, to get up in the morning. It's a little bit more of a struggle when you hit your teenage years. Feeling like there might be some parents nudging their kids at home. Parents, this is not that moment. (laughs) Please don't be nudging your kids on the sofa. We want to keep them engaged in the, the message this morning. Make these points to them afterwards. (laughs) But you see, as children, we all learn basic things that we needed to do. You've got to have a wash. You've got to get up. As you get a bit older, you've got to go to school. Unless it's the holidays you go to school. That's just something that you have to do. If you don't go to school, you get in trouble. When you're in school, you've got to behave a certain way. Or you get sent to the naughty room. You get put in detention. I feel like the rules of life, there are some basic things that we can all agree on. And they seem to be part of our culture, part of our society, the way we do life. They're a a cultural norm or value. And I think the same principle applies to the kingdom of God. There are some cultural norms and values That as children of God, because that's what we are, we're children of God adopted into his family through Jesus' death on the cross, his resurrection on Easter Sunday, when we come to remember that. And if we're going to celebrate living at peace with God, we want to keep living at peace with God. As a child, you might have clashed with your mum or dad. When you weren't at peace with your mum or dad. You weren't at peace because you were living in a way that they didn't feel very peaceful about. And so they extended their lack of peace to you for the avoidance of doubt. (laughs) 
You see, for us, we have the opportunity to live under the peace that the cross brings. We've got the opportunity to look to Christ. We've got the opportunity to continue to choose day by day, the word talks about. Day by day, taking up our cross. Not that it's always easy to live Christ's way. It wasn't always easy to do as your mum or dad asked, was it? Why would we expect it to be easy always? Sometimes I fear that we're turning religion, our faith in Jesus, into something of a crutch. We want to make life easy because we've made life about happiness rather than about purpose. And just as Barbara shared as she came, and actually I didn't know what she'd prepared to say this morning, and it's a great illustration, talking about the purpose of God and how we can live and serve the purpose of God in our giving, so too can we live and serve the purpose of God just in our day-to-day lives. Everything that we do can be brought under his glory and grace, his purposes. As we say, your kingdom come, Lord God, your will be done. Not mine, not peer pressure, not family, not community, but the community of heaven, the family of God. That's who I want to be influenced by. Because it talks about us being justified and that cost Jesus greatly to justify us. It cost Jesus greatly. If you haven't read the story of Jesus dying on the cross, or you haven't seen the passion, maybe this Easter Monday, that could be your goal for the day. You could try and get into the word of God, read the Easter story, watch the passion if you're not a big reader. I know that not everybody loves reading. Some people love movies. And we live in an age where we are just surrounded by such wonderful opportunities to engage with the word of God. I read this week that no generation has had as many opportunities to engage with God, has had such a free and open access to the word of God, and at the same time engages with it the least. You see, we've been justified because God decided to give us Jesus. And in giving us Jesus, he gave us Jesus dying on the cross and being raised to new life. In giving us Jesus, he recognized our need, our need of a saviour. And because of his death and resurrection, we can come into an abundant life. You know, sometimes when we're discipling people as a church, they come with a a misconception that Christians live by a kind of code that stops them doing things that, and perhaps live a lesser life because they haven't got the freedom that they as a non-Christian might have. Can I just say that I really reject that. Like, yes, there are some things put in place, but those things put in place, the way that God calls us to live, that pattern of behaviour, while yes, in part, it brings him glory, but nine times out of ten, I think it's to our sincere benefit. And it's not that we follow God and we live his way 
just because we want to get stuff, because we want life to be easy, because life should be good. Because if life was significantly better as a Christian than a non-Christian, from an earthly perspective, it wouldn't be very hard to sell people on Jesus, would it? In fact, sometimes when somebody shares about what it means to be a Christian, they talk about Jesus being there to wipe the tear from your eye every time you're upset. And I think, nope. (laughs) The Bible says that suffering is good for us. It produces perseverance and perseverance faith ultimately. So we know that Christians aren't going to be people that don't suffer. But we are a people marked by the peace of God. We have the peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that more than that, we've obtained access by faith in this grace in which we stand that is our hope of glory. You see, that's the main difference here. It's about where is your hope? And that affects your day-to-day living because the life, that you lead looks different but also it is different in that you're not restricted from living a wild life in fact the word of God specifically says that you can do all things but all things aren't necessarily to your benefit or God's glory so that restriction seems to be largely cultural and perhaps comes through the church rather than through the word of God but the word of God is saying something even more profound it's not saying Don't do that. It's less about how you behave and it's more about who you belong to. Who you're believing in. And if you would let Jesus shape your life, if you would let his abundance of grace and goodness, the hope of glory going to heaven, being with him one day, and in the meantime, Asking him what his plans and purposes are for your life. There is nothing more fulfilling than recognising the purpose that God has for you. And whether you're feeling very old as I say that or whether you feel very young or somewhere in between. If any of you are thinking, well I don't know, I've, I've got to this point in my life and do I really want to sign it over to somebody else? It's all ahead of me. I've got so many options, maybe later. Or maybe it's a bit too late. I've already lived my life the way I wanted. Can I just say that there is no time better than right now to choose to live for Jesus. Because once you choose to live for Jesus, once you give your life to Christ, Every single day, you're going to have to make that same choice. There's an opportunity not to live for Jesus, I guess is what I'm saying. And I don't want anyone to be confused and think that this somehow makes it a cheap grace. Because for Jesus, it was incredibly costly. His painful death on the cross that bought our freedom. But actually, just as his suffering produced our hope and our suffering produces greater faith the thing that abounds when we seek to live God's way is the love of God when we seek to live God's way the thing that abounds is the love of God
You see, we have an opportunity to choose Jesus. We've talked in the past couple of weeks about those opportunities, those come to Jesus moments. Whether you've never really acknowledged it before and you give your life to Jesus for the first time. Or whether you're once again having one of those moments where you realise, I've got the opportunity to come to Jesus, to come to him just as I am and say, here I am, Lord, use me. We've got the opportunity that first time to accept salvation. We've got the opportunity every subsequent time to choose Jesus daily. And ultimately to choose where we are going to place our hope. Where's your hope this morning? What are you hoping in? What do you hope for? You know, those thoughts as you close your eyes when you're going to bed at night and you're thinking you, perhaps you're one of those people that takes stock in the shower or likes to go for a walk in the countryside. Whatever that opportunity is, where you just consider your life for a moment. Because we all have them, sooner or later, especially those who perhaps think, oh, well, I don't have them. Or those who are running from those thoughts those observations, those questions about life. Where's your hope? Because if your hope is in Jesus, and I'm speaking personally here, if your hope is in Jesus, I sincerely believe that there is no safer place for your hope to be than found in Christ. And that's because of this phrase, but God. But God. But God showed his love for us that while we were at our worst, the point where we were furthest away from God, having never chosen him, shown any sign that we were going to choose him perhaps, perhaps willfully living in a way other than that of glorifying him. Because that's why we have the word of God, it's a book of stories that tells us about how the people of God follow after him. Whether you read through the Old Testament and you read these incredible stories in, in judges and kings, or whether you're reading the New Testament and you're looking at the New Testament church in Acts, or in one of the letters that Paul sent to the various churches, we see time and again how the people of God recognize God interfering in their lives how they respond to him and choose to put him first because while we're at our weakest while we are ungodly while we are caught in the midst of sin Christ dies for us And so God shows his love for us, justifying us by his blood through Christ. And that's what we've just remembered in communion this morning. We've remembered the blood of Christ washing away our sins. The body of Christ broken for us. That while we were enemies, because anybody that doesn't choose to live God's way, who continues to live in in sin 
And that's any time when we are choosing to live for ourselves rather than for God. That when we were enemies, we were reconciled through the death of Jesus. And that's why it matters so much that we accept Jesus into our hearts. And whether we've been a Christian 10 years, 20 years, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, it doesn't, it doesn't make any difference. Because we all need the grace of Jesus. Day by day. In fact, the word of God says that his grace and mercy are new every morning. Our need of Christ doesn't lessen as the years go by. As we choose to live for God, we do our best to follow his teachings in his word. But our need for Christ continues because we continue to fall short. Here's another great misconception about the church. People look at Christians and they say, well, they're not perfect. And isn't that just the point? If we were in American church, I might say, point to three friends that aren't perfect. And then being a British church, we would be awkward about it for the next six months. <laughs> Perhaps if I say point to one person who isn't perfect, you can find somebody without causing a fight. <laughs> You see, each one of us continues to need the grace of God in our lives. We need more of Jesus. We need to recognize where our hope is found. We need to recognize that God is a God of peace and that in Jesus we know the peace of God. Because of our faith in Christ, our choice, our opportunity to choose to live his way, to say your kingdom come and your will be done, is something that we can only choose through faith in grace as we choose Christ. And that even when we suffer, that produces hope and faith. You know, God shows his love for us time and again but most significantly through the death and resurrection of Christ, creating a way for us to be welcomed, adopted into God's family. And so we're no longer enemies of God because we're no longer living opposed to his rule and reign. And more than that, we've got a reason to be glad, to rejoice. Because we're reconciled with God. We've made up. But not because of anything that we did, but all because of what he did for us. In fact, this passage says so much more. We've got so many reasons to rejoice and be glad. And actually, I think one of the most incredible things about God is that he doesn't just come to earth, live a perfect life, part God, fully human. How that works is, uh, well, who really knows? 
There's all sorts of impressive theological words to try and describe that. But this morning, I think we need to just remember our simple faith. That God made himself flesh, lived among us, lived a perfect life. So that he could be the perfect sacrifice. To take away all of our wrong things. All of our sin. So that we could be friends with God. Children of God adopted into his family. And that God's plan for us is his abundant goodness. But it's about his goodness, not our idea of what his goodness might be. Let me put that another way. When we learn to live as part of the culture, part of the kingdom of God, in the same way we shared at the start of this message what it looks like to be a child growing up, that you learn the norms and values of your family, so too do we need to recognise the norms and values of our family, our heavenly family. And so we need more of Jesus in our everyday living. But that gives us more reason to rejoice because we're reconciled. Much more reason to give thanks because we recognize the things daily that we've been saved from. More reason to give thanks because daily we have the opportunity to reflect on when we've been saved too. More reason to give thanks because the Holy Spirit in our hearts brings us into closer relationship with God. Much more reason to give thanks because we've are full of hope for the future, for God's plans and not our own. You see, the world is constantly defining for us what life should look like. Whether you recognise this or not, if you disagree passionately, think about this. I mean, take a moment this week. If you disagree passionately with what I'm about to say, Mull it over a little bit. If you agree completely, mull it over a little bit. (laughs) You see, the world constantly defines for us what success looks like. It's having the right body type, the right haircut, the right clothes, the right lifestyle, the right house, the right family, the right car, the right job, the right friends, the right holidays. The world is full of things full of things that we're told can define us, that we can use to build ourselves, our sense of self, who we are, and we can use these things to define what we're all about. Or perhaps thinking a little bit more abstract, People define themselves by the things they believe in. They say, oh, I support this football team or I support this charity. I really believe that the church should be this, that or the other. They say, oh, well, it's better to be kind than to be right. Or they say, I'm just very fair. Or they say, well, I try not to hope too much because people disappoint you. You know, any phrase or saying that you might have heard 
growing up or coming through life. These little throwaway statements, these little mantras that people end up speaking out over themselves begin to define us. And this morning I want to say, let's let Romans 5 define us. That since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's let those words be the words that we speak over ourselves today and every day. Jesus Christ, our Lord. That through him we've obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand. Jesus Christ, our Lord. That we have this hope, a hope of glory. That we rejoice in sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance, character, and character, hope. That our hope is found in Christ, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that our hope isn't set on earthly things. Our hope is set in heaven, seated beside God, Jesus Christ, our Lord. That because of God but God showing his love that while we were still sinners Jesus Christ our Lord died for us made us right in God's sight and put his name on our lips as we confess Jesus Christ our And because of that, we know that the best is yet to come. Because of that, we know that we can attain more of the kingdom of God by attaining more of Christ in our daily living, by simply seeking to let those words be true. That as we proclaim them, Jesus Christ our Lord, we can live that out. And that if we would live that out, if we would let those words not just be the words on our lips today, but the words seared onto our heart. As we recognize the blood of Christ washing away our sins, claiming us as his own, that only by grace, through faith, can we say, believing in our hearts and confessing with our mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. Perhaps you'd pray with me as we close out our, uh, our time together this morning, our message. And in a moment, Shelby will close out our service for us and share with us some notices. So if you'd just like to bow your heads, let's pray. Father God, Father God, we thank you that we can call upon you as our Heavenly Father through the name that is above every name. No other name than the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ our Lord. And so as we proclaim that name, the name that is above every name, 
the name that establishes your kingdom. The name that we look to, the person that we look to, Christ our Lord. We thank you for your grace in our lives. We thank you that you call us not just children, but friends. Not just sinners, but sons and daughters. And as we trust in you this morning, as we come to you seeking your goodness, your grace, your friendship. As we remember that this Easter Sunday isn't just a gorgeous sunny day. But we rejoice in the day that the Lord has made. We rejoice in your goodness and grace. We rejoice that you, Heavenly Father, that you, Heavenly Father, adopt us, welcome us, call us home. Father, we thank you that we can love you because you first loved us. We thank you that you continue to go out of your way to meet with us. We thank you for the hope that we have because of you. And we thank you that when we trust you with all that we've got, you bless us with so much more than we could ever have imagined. We thank you that your promise is that the best is yet to come. That our hope in heaven, our hope in Jesus is secure. And this morning as we trust in you, as we trust in your goodness and grace, as we trust in you for each day, your grace and mercy. We thank you that we can call ourselves friends of God. Lord, more than anything else, we thank you for your death on the cross. We thank you for your resurrection. We thank you for Easter Sunday. Jesus, we thank you that we can live every day every day as though it's Easter Sunday because you are alive and seated on heaven's throne and we thank you that you call us to be a part of your family and as we reflect on that today as we define our lives by you rather than the world as we get our hearts orientated our perspectives clear we fix our eyes on you we pray that you'd help us to know more of you. More of you in everything that we do, everywhere that we go, all that we have and all that we are. We say your kingdom come, your will be done in our church, in our homes, in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.